Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here with our new time. You might be used to hearing us in the evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. But now we're back in the afternoons. You can catch us live weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And on demand, anytime you want, just go to podcasts, look for Scout Fantasy Sports, hit subscribe, and usually right after the show, it gets uploaded pretty quickly, so you can listen anytime you want. Of course, you can check out all my work at ScoutFantasySports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis and on the gram at Aaron88. Lots to cover here in the next two hours. A lot of weeks, uh, Dr. Ordo will be with me for one hour, but he is not available today. So he'll be with me soon. So that's going to be the layout of the show going forward where we pretty much cover everything. And, of course, today with some afternoon basketball on Martin Luther King Day, we will talk some DFS. Chris Rose from Scout DFS will join me in 20 minutes to take a look at the slate. Of course, we'll talk a lot of football as well. Bill Enright, FFChamps.com. He's going to join me at 3 p.m. Eastern. And we're getting you set for baseball right now as well on ScoutFantasySports.com. We have in-depth team outlooks from Sean Child. He's one of the best high-stakes players around, and he dives deep into each team. He's already completed the AL East, and if you want to just see a sample before you become a member, no problem. There's a free preview of the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Sox breaking down the projected lineups in deep, breakdowns of each player, the pitching staff, the relievers, and as the free agents sign, because a lot of people still haven't signed in baseball, he will update them accordingly. So this is excellent prep, especially now as we're getting closer to spring training here in late in the month of January. Some of you may not have even started your prep yet. Now is a good time to jump in and get started on that. I'm also writing a lot of fantasy baseball now as well. Just went up right now. Uh, profile on Michael Brantley. He signed with the Astros, a two-year deal here in the offseason. How does that affect his fantasy value? I break it down so you could take a look at that article now. Also have articles up on Andrew McCutcheon and his move to Philadelphia, the change in value for Yasiel Puig after the trade to Cincinnati, a look at Daniel Murphy now with the Rockies, and a lot more. Uh, Nelson Cruz going to the Twins. So basically kind of looking at some of the free agents and where they are now and what their fantasy value is. I'll, of course, have sleepers, breakouts, and all that stuff down the road over the next couple of months as we get you set to dominate in fantasy baseball. So make sure you become a member today. And, of course, we always ask answer your questions on the message boards, in the forums, whatever you have. We also help you win money with ScoutDFS.com. And if you use the Optimizer this weekend for the NFL, you did well. The optimized lineup on DraftKings this weekend was Pat Mahomes, Alvin Kamara, Damian Williams, Robert Woods, Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Sony Michelle, and the Saints defense. So it did very well. And that was simply just 
going to the slate, hit optimize, and that's the lineup it gave you. Now, oftentimes, we want you to kind of come up with your own picks, maybe your core, and then hit optimize, and maybe it gives you something you weren't thinking about. And that's the goal. It's not just to spit out a lineup. It's to help you maybe find some players you weren't thinking about. And maybe the optimizer gives you something to say, hmm, I didn't think about that. And it's good to do some research, figure out, okay, why is it giving me that? Is it a great matchup? Is it the price? And, of course, we have write-ups as well and Slack chat leading up to lineup lock. You can just hop in the Slack chat. Uh, I'm often there during the weekdays. You can ask your questions, get advice on a lineup. Uh, We do it for NBA, NHL, and NFL, too. Obviously, NFL winding down, and we'll have it for baseball as well. So you can check it out, scoutdfs.com. you got the optimizers in the Slack chat and articles, so great tools to help you win money. We had a scout member capture a final seat, a live final seat in hockey a couple of days ago. The article is up there, so you can check that out. So helping you win across major platforms, seasonal DFS, and, of course, sports betting needs as well vegaswhispers.com you can go over there and join today use the promo code ronus50 get 50 percent off your first month they tweet out picks Uh, once you become a member you get a private twitter feed where you can set up alerts they get sent to your phone they've sent out a couple of picks today for the nba Uh, they've done college basketball as well as nfl so a lot of good ways to win money and that's the goal here we want you to become better players in fantasy and become uh, good sports betting uh, money makers as well. So we got you covered. Make sure you check it out today. And, uh, you know, we want you to to be a part of it and win some money. But we'll kick it off today looking at the NFL. And obviously, very exciting day of games yesterday. Didn't lack controversy, though. So we'll start it off with the Saints and the Rams. Of course, everyone is looking at... The controversial non-call on the penalty with Nikel Roby Coleman not being called for pass interference on Tommy Lee Lewis. Now, it was pretty clear. I don't see how you can argue. Even the most supportive Rams fan cannot say that wasn't pass interference, uh, helmet to helmet, illegal contact, whatever you want. He was not playing the ball, and he clearly knew he was out of position and he was trying to save a touchdown. So you can understand what he was doing. He even admitted after the game, that it was clearly a pass interference, and he was thankful that it wasn't called. Did it affect the game? Absolutely, because if the call is made properly, you're looking at the Saints first and goal inside the 10. They'll run down the clock, kick the field goal. Now, people were telling me that the field goal wasn't a lock, and yes, no field goal in the NFL is, but come on. This was not Cody Parkey. Someone brought that up to me. This wasn't Cody Parkey. Parkey was a 43-yard field goal outdoors in the cold. This is Will Lutz, one of the top kickers in the NFL, in the dome inside. So I'm pretty sure the probability of making the kick was very high. So was it a lock? No, but it was almost certain that he would have made it. It would have left the Rams little time on the clock. So it cost them the game there. But I've said this all the time. Calls are going to go against you. You have to overcome them. You have to find a way to get past it. Now, this one is really tough because it was going to decide the game. So I understand why Saints fans, the Saints, the organization are upset. It definitely was a kick in the nuts, especially when you consider how their season ended last year with this Stephon Diggs Minnesota miracle. So it's two years in a row that it ended in heartbreak. And this one was pretty blatant. We see bad calls. We see missed calls. But I don't think anyone can dispute that this was something, obviously, that they missed in a major way and it clearly decided the game. 
But once you get past that, you have to look at a lot of other things in this game. You know, the Saints had numerous opportunities to win this game. Uh, early in the game, they could have put it away. I mean, they had a 13 nothing lead early in this game. They struggled in the red zone early on. I mean, when they got that interception off the hands of Todd Gurley, I was like, wow, this is this is bad. You know, Saints really could take control here. And, you know, they were in control. They were up 13 nothing after the first quarter, but they let the Rams get back in it. It was 13-10 at the half. And even before the penalty, the Saints had the ball first down, less than two minutes left after the two-minute warning, and they passed on first down, and it was incomplete. And I think in today's game, oftentimes, we're very agitated at the teams who are not aggressive. We want coaches to be more aggressive, but there's a time to do it, and then there's a time to just kind of be conservative and run out the clock. And we saw it burn the Falcons a couple years in the Super Bowl when they had the ball deep in New England territory, and they didn't run the clock out. They threw a couple of passes and saved some time for New England, and it came back to burn them. And that's what happened with the Saints yesterday. They should have ran the ball on first down. Now, to be fair, they were not having success on the ground at all yesterday. 2.3 yards per carry as a team. Mark Ingram was 9 for 31, and Kamara 8 for 15. But you're not really worried there about picking up huge chunks of yards. Your goal there is to churn out the clock and make the Rams use a timeout. They had two timeouts remaining. You want them to burn both of those timeouts. Then you'll eventually kick a field goal. And instead of letting the Rams get the ball back with 141 and one timeout, as they did, because the Saints kicked the ball with 141 left, and the Rams still had one timeout. So instead of doing that, they left more time on the clock, and they left the extra timeout in the pocket for the Rams. So Sean Payton did not do a good job there of the play calling. And then even after that, even after you kick the field goal, you still have to stop the Rams from marching downfield. And if you do that, you win the game. So there was opportunities after the blown call, and the timing of it was awful, obviously, and it was glaring, and it definitely played a part. But if you're a championship team, if you're a team that's strong mentally, you have to overcome these things, and you have to get past it. And... This one obviously is more glaring because of the moment when it occurred and how it could have shifted the game in the favor of the Saints and sent them to the Super Bowl. So I understand, and I'm not defending it, but I'm just also trying to point out that the Saints had numerous opportunities after this to try and win this game. And they didn't stop the Rams once they got the ball back. They marched down the field, and a 48-yard field goal is no gimme. But, man, Greg Zerline. He is money, and not enough people are talking about him today. Obviously, so much happened in the game, and the missed pass interference was the big topic of the day and afterwards. But Zerline, and we know this in fantasy. I mean, Zerline usually is the first kicker off the board. We know he can hit from long distances, but he was money in this game. Four for four was perfect, uh, including the 48-yard field goal at the end of regulation to force the overtime. And then the 57-yarder in overtime. And I think a lot of people were stunned or maybe thinking McVay made a mistake going for it there. But indoors with his kicker's distance and his ability, and he showed why he had the confidence in him. And that's not an easy kick in that pressurized spot. That thing would have been good from 80 yards, it felt like. I mean, he nailed it. So Zerline, under a lot of pressure, came through with two big money kicks. But also... They let the Rams off the hook here. Uh, I mean, Sean McVay got bailed out because 
I don't know how he didn't go for it on the fourth and goal from the one with about five minutes left. You know, you tie the score there, but you run the risk of not getting the ball back. And McVay has been a coach that's been pretty aggressive, and people praise him, but he has shown some deficiencies here. And I thought it was really bad in this game. And he obviously got bailed out. It wasn't a topic of conversation after the game. But had the Saints been able to win this game, had they gotten the call or they made a stop when the Rams got the ball back at the end of regulation, we'd, talk to, we'd be talking about Sean McVay today and the lack of aggressiveness that he showed there. Because the problem by kicking the field goal is now the Saints have the ball back. Five minutes to go at home. Noisy dome. We saw it was a factor. It took a while for the Rams to get going. Jared Goff couldn't hear a play, so it's a tough environment to play in. And now you're giving the ball to Drew Brees and the Saints offense. And, yeah, uh, you know, uh, McVay talked about how good the Rams defense was. And I, and I, I think you have to give them, uh, them credit, too. That's another storyline that went underlooked. The Rams defense played very well in this game. This could have been out of hand early. The fact that they held the Rams, the, the Saints, to the two field goals in the first quarter was huge. They shut out the Saints in the second quarter. They did a really good job. And because of that, that's why it made – McVay's decision to kick the field goal even more odd because he had said in his press conference that he had confidence in the way the defense was playing. Well, if you did, you go for it there because if you go for it and miss, Rams have the ball inside their five. Or the Saints have the ball inside their five. Up three, you know they're going to be conservative. They're going to try and run it out of the end zone a play or two. And if you make the stop, and you're confident in your defense, like he said he was, now you get the ball back at maybe, what, your own 35-40 worst-case scenario, unless it's a booming punt, and you're in good position, and now you don't need much to get a field goal. Anyway, especially with Zerline and his ability to nail from long range. So this is not your ordinary kicker. If you felt confident for him to kick a 57-year field goal in overtime, then I think you know his range is 50 to 55. So say you get the ball worst case scenario at your own 35, you don't need much. So that's why it made that decision very weird. And it worked out for him because he got bailed out. He got bailed out because the Rams came back and won. But there was a lot of poor coaching decisions, I thought, on both sides. It wasn't a great game to start early on. It got more exciting towards the end. And then, of course, you know, we could talk about this later on, you know, the overtime rules. Uh, but the Saints had the ball first. They had the ball in overtime, and Drew Brees got picked off. So they had their chances. Um, it was a great play by John Johnson, making the play as he was uh, headed on his back. Uh, great interception there. And the Rams didn't need to to move the ball much, as it was enough for Zerline to kick that 57-yard field goal. So uh, the Rams, especially in the second half, were the better team as they outgained the Saints 378 to 290. So uh, Saints deserved to win, and they should have if they got in that call, but they had opportunities afterwards, and they didn't take advantage of it. And yes, it's definitely tough if you're in the Saints locker room, you're a fan of them, you're a player, because you feel like, you know what, we did enough to win the game, and if the call is made correctly, they are the ones going to the Super Bowl. But we saw a lot of bad calls yesterday, including the AFC Championship, and you have to overcome them, and that's part of winning. Uh, and it just—it was a untimely penalty. If that occurred in the second quarter, 
you know, we'd talk about it, but it wouldn't be as glaring. But because of it, when it occurred during the game, it became a big topic. But Saints still had opportunities to win. They could have stopped the Rams on the ensuing drive. They did it. They could have scored in overtime. They had the ball first. They did it. They turned it over. And they could have stopped the Rams after that. And they did it. And Zerline made them pay with a 57-yard field goal in this game. So overall, uh, at least it was an exciting game to watch. Uh, but credit the Rams defense too. You know, they shut down the running game of the Saints. Uh, they didn't get anything done on the ground. Now they did get killed by Alvin Kamara in the passing game with 11 receptions for 96 yards. But they also shut down Michael Thomas. And I think that's one of the things we saw in this game. When you look at this Saints offense, as good as they have been, it's really Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I mean, Ingram too, but you know, as you saw, he was shut down in this game. They need another wide receiver. Uh, they don't have a big weapon at tight end. And uh, it was a problem for the Saints in this game as the offense really struggled after that first quarter, scoring 10 points in the second half, nothing in overtime. And the Rams, they go to the Super Bowl. We'll talk more football later on in the show, but when we return, we're going to take a look at this slate in NBA DFS. A lot of games across the day, including the afternoon and night. Chris Rose, Scout DFS, he joins me next here. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game time decisions. I once got uh, I once got a medicinal marijuana card in California, and uh, so I fill out all the paper and stuff at the end, and I, you know, address. <laughs> it was Gold Cap. I gave the uh, the address of the hotel I was staying at. I was like, you know, 5030 Wilshire Boulevard, Suite 202. <laughs> smart. You know, like, that's yeah, that's actually pretty, really smart. Yeah, it's been pretty, uh, pretty slick. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here from ScoutFantasySports.com. New time here, weekdays now, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. So we'll have more of an opportunity to get you set for the day in DFS. Martin Luther King Day, so a little bit different here with the NBA scattered across. We already have a couple games underway. Knicks, of course, getting pummeled as they enter the fourth quarter against the Thunder. But joining me to... 
talk about some of the games today. It is Chris Rose. You can find him on ScoutDFS.com. Chris, what's up? Adam, what's up? What's going on, man? This new time slot is awesome, huh? Yeah, definitely. Definitely we can cover a lot more NBA DFS. Usually at night, everything tipped off, so it was tough. But uh, weird day across the NBA because we have games scattered throughout the day, and each site has handled it differently. What are your thoughts on the way the slates have kind of been designed today by the different sites? Oh, man, I, I just don't like what FanDuel did today. You know, they broke it up so late. You know, you got Embiid with its with game time decision. That's in a good spot. You know, there's so many guys in good spots that, that could be late scratches. I just don't like it. If you're going to play today, my advice would be to go over to, to DraftKings and play. Um, you know, just, you're going to get caught with a game time decision. It's going to, you know, going to sit or he's going to, he's going to have a cough or something like that and just have an illness or something. You're going to, you're going to get in trouble if you do that FanDuel. So just be careful with who you, who you play. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, too. you got to know what your availability is for the day. Obviously, FanDuel, no late swap, and that lineup lock at 3 p.m. Eastern. Obviously, Yahoo, DraftKings have some late swaps, so you have to take that into account. And there are going to be some days where you say, you know what, I don't like the way it's set up, my schedule doesn't work. Are there days where you do take off and say, I'm going to sit this one out? Yeah, yeah, I think that's, you know, it's all about game, you know, it's your bankroll management. I think that's how you do it in a smart way, and if you don't like a slate, don't play it. There's there's a lot of games left, not even at the break yet. So there's a lot of games left, and, and just, just, just play smart. All right, let's take a look at the games coming up. we got the Magic and Hawks at 3 p.m. Eastern. We know Aaron Gordon is out again with a back injury. Uh, who are some of the plays you like in this game, and who benefits with Gordon being out? Well, I think the guy that benefited most last game with Gordon being out is Isaac. Um, he got in foul trouble early, um, or he just smashed his value. But I think it's a nice spot for Booch. I think we like to uh, target centers or big men against Atlanta. So it's a good spot for him. And I also like the spot for DJ Augustine. So uh, it's a good spot on, on that side. I don't really see anybody except for uh, Prince on Atlanta's side. He's so cheap, and he's starting to get in the 23 minutes last game. I think he can get 28, 30 minutes. And this could be a good spot for him where you can see him go 5 to X. Trey Young's always, he's very up and down. He's been a little bit better lately. The usage rate has gone up. He's 65 on DK, 7,300 on FanDuel. Would you consider him in this spot? Yeah, he's so hit or miss. But, uh, you know, it's a good spot for him. I like him better on DK rather than FanDuel. Um, there's a couple other guys in that price range that better in a good spot as well. But I'm okay with him. He's just not one of my top guys. Kicking off a little bit after that, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, the Kings are in Brooklyn to take on the Nets. Uh, 2.30 is the Vegas total. Nets favored by 3.5. Nets have been playing pretty well lately. I, I like watching them play. The Kings you know, the Kings right now are a little frustrating because they have such a deep rotation, and uh, it feels like the minutes are kind of being distributed evenly. There are some good players here. I like De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heal, but with the way the rotation is built now in the minutes, uh, are you playing many Kings today? Because the matchup's great against the Nets. We know they, they, they play at a high pace. Uh, we know centers kill the Nets. So how do you look at the Kings today? Yeah, I think it's a great spot for him. You know, Buddy Hill was the guy who went off last game. I thought it would be Fox. I was on Fox the last game, but Buddy Hill went off. You got Amon Shumpert who's playing a lot. But I think it's a great spot for Fox. Both these teams can put up a lot of points fast. This could be a 140 to 135 game in Um I think it's a good spot for both sides. Uh, you know, we do like targeting um, bigs against both of these teams. So I think uh, Jared Allen on, on one side is, is a nice spot. And I also think Willie Cauley-Stein could be a sneaky play as well. 
on the net side, D'Angelo Russell has had these real big games, and then other times they, they sit him a little bit and pull him. Uh, he's 8,300 on DK, 7,900 on Fandle. Do you trust him in this spot? Yeah, I think this is a great spot for him. I think they sat him last time for defensive kind of misplay, uh, and they sat him when he, after like five minutes. I think that's when it was but two games ago. But I think it's a good spot for him. Uh, this could be the spot where you see him and either Fox or Buddy Heald go neck and neck. Uh, you know, he's explosive. His usage rate is up there. Uh, but it's a great spot for Russell. Jared Allen's been coming on. He's had a few big games recently. Obviously, we knew he was in a good spot against Houston when they had no center. Uh, his salary is 6200 on DK, 7100 on FanDuel. Uh, your thoughts on him on today's slate? Oh, yeah, I love a spot for him. Willie Cauley-Stein is, is kind of a sieve in the middle, so it's a good spot for him. This is a spot where he can get 15, 18 rebounds, I think. Um, so don't put that past him. You can have a big game. I think it's a great spot for him. Still pretty decently priced. Surprising that his price hasn't gone up that much, but I do like him a lot today. Talking to Chris Rose, you can find him at Scout DFS as we help you get ready for the day in NBA. Uh, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, the Pelicans play at Memphis, and obviously no Anthony Davis as he's out with a hand injury. So that would make a lot of guys on the Pelicans appealing. Uh, who do you like the most, or, or is there several of them that you can play today? We know Memphis, not a great uh, team that doesn't play at a high pace. They have some injuries as well, but got to think uh, several of the Pelicans are appealing here today. Yeah, it's going to be a pace down game, but I think this is a great spot for Drew Holiday. I think it's a great spot for Randall, um, especially if you see um, Gasol a little limpy a little bit today, um, or if he even plays. Well, it's probable. So, um, but I think it's a great spot for Drew Holiday. He usually goes off for over uh, one fantasy point per minute. I think it's like 1.5 uh, whenever 80s out. But I think it's a great spot for him. Uh, it's a great spot for Randall, 8200. He could go. Uh, 45, 55 points tonight um, as far as fantasy points. But great spot. Miritich is still tr- priced low. Uh, I think in a way of actually playing all three um, of the Pelicans' usage guys today. How about uh, Alfred Payton? Uh, obviously, the minutes were down a little bit recently, but will uh, he be in a better spot with no Anthony Davis? Maybe his usage goes up a little bit? Uh, I think it goes up maybe a tad. I'm just not on him. He's um, 5,500 on Campbell. So I think you have Augustine there at 4,900. You got um, Dinwiddie there in a good spot at 5,900. I just don't really like the spot, especially, um, you know, he's going to see the Conley defense. So it's not that great of a spot, in my opinion, for health. Grizzlies have been struggling. It sounds like Marcus is going to play today. Any of the uh, Grizzlies do you like uh, to use today? Yeah, I like J. Michael Green. Uh, he's been playing pretty well. Um, no, he's gone. He had a little bit of a down game prior to that. He had three games over 30 points, 30 fantasy points, so I think it's a good spot for him. And also, uh, Justin Holiday. He had a down game, but uh, he's back in the starting lineup. I think it's a good spot for him as well. Joined by Chris Rose, you can find him at scoutdfs.com. Got the Heat and Celtics at 6 p.m. Eastern. Vegas total here is 215. Uh, the Heat uh, obviously have kind of, have a deep rotation here, and uh, going up against Boston doesn't look like many favorable matchups. Uh, do you like anyone on the Heat tonight? Their rotation looks like it's starting to get deeper. I liked 
uh, Dion Waiters last game. He had that little call out with Spolstra um, after I think it was the uh, Milwaukee game. He played 21 minutes, put up 21 points. I think this is a good spot for him. He's min price on FanDuel. You could see him play 25, 30 minutes tonight, especially if Wade sits. Wade might sit. He's played two straight games, and he's played a lot of minutes uh, in his standards. He's played 26 and 28 minutes the last two games, so we could see a little bit more of a usage for waders. Yeah, and the good thing about that on FanDuel is it drops your lowest score. So if that happens then uh, and he doesn't go off, then you're, you're okay. And if he does have a game like he did last na- game, then you're in pretty good shape. On the Boston side, Kyrie Irving been on fire lately. Uh, could you see yourself playing him tonight? Because uh, we know you got to pay up for him. He's 97 on FanDuel, 9,000 on DK. Yeah, I love Kyrie tonight. Ever since he had that conversation with LeBron, he's gone absolutely bonkers. He's gone from 59, 62, and 42 um, in his last three. I think this is a spot where he can go another 50 points. Uh, Miami has not been has not been doing all that well in stopping point guards. So this is a great spot for Kyrie, which I don't think is going to get that much uh, exposure tonight. So it's a great spot for him at maybe low ownership. Yeah, I feel like uh, oftentimes Kyrie is kind of low-owned. Uh, when Boston's completely healthy, though, is there anyone else that you really like on this team uh, that you can play, especially in a spot tonight where it looks like uh, everyone is going to play? Um, it, it's tough because that rotation is you – know, that's a pretty deep rotation as well. But I do like uh, Rozier a little bit, too. Rozier played well last game, uh, played 29 minutes off the bench. Uh, granted, Marcus Smart did get ejected, um, but I do like Terry Rozier a bit at 4,500. Rockets and Sixers, that's 8 p.m. Eastern. Tonight game is in Philly. The Vegas total, 233 and a half. Uh, still unsure if Kenneth Fareed's going to make his debut. I think he has to clear by 5 p.m. Eastern. So, uh, you know, obviously he's going to become a factor in seasonal and DFS when he gets to Houston. But, uh, of course, the story is uh, James Harden. Uh, now his salary is 14000 on FanDuel, 13200 on DraftKings. And it feels like every time that he gets off to a slow start, he winds up getting to expectations by the end of the night. Uh, what do you do with James Harden tonight? I think a lot of people try fading him uh, because he costs so much. But is there a slate tonight where it's uh, feasible to get him in and play him? Has anybody learned their lesson on fading Harden yet? Because uh, I learned my lesson last game when I faded him completely. Um, but here's the thing. AD being out, what's his ownership going to be? I think his ownership may actually be higher than we actually think. Because people would try to go try to fit AD in as well with Harden and just try to find these values. But with Anthony Davis out, I think Harden's ownership is going to go up a bit, especially in this matchup where it could be a high-scoring game. Um, it's it's tough to fade him considering he's gone for 74 points at least in the last five games. His usage rate's just ridiculous. And whenever he starts slow, it seems like he ends the game ridiculous. So uh, if you're going to play three lines, I'd fade him in one. I'd play him in two. Yeah, it's just so tough not to play him now. Uh, anyone else on the Rockets? We saw Eric Gordon look pretty good last game, but he is dependent on his scoring. He's 5,500 on FanDuel, 5,900 on DK. Uh, anyone else on Houston that you consider using tonight? Because the prices have gone up on some of these guys. P.J. Tucker. He's 5500 on FanDuel. I'm not sure what his price is on DraftKings. 5500 on FanDuel. He's playing 
53. That's a great price for Martin Todd. He's playing 40-plus minutes. He's playing the center position, and if Embiid is out, oh, my goodness. Who's going to stop him inside? He's going to get rebounds. He's going to be scoring. I love the spot for P.J. Tucker. He's in my write-up today. He's one of my top three must-haves. I love P.J. Tucker this night. On the Sixers side, I guess, obviously, we, we really can't project now because we need to find out about Joel Embiid. He's questionable, as is Jimmy Butler. So if one of these guys are out, uh, what do you do? You play the other one who winds up playing and Ben Simmons? Yeah, I think the guy that, that you kind of default to is Ben Simmons. He's been great. Uh, he's gone 50-plus in three out of the last five. He's playing minutes. He's playing high 30s minutes. He's playing low 40s minutes. Um, it's a good spot for him. I think they're going to need the scoring. It's going to be tough, um, especially if indeed or uh, Jimmy Butler or both missed tonight. Um, so they're going to need the scoring from Simmons. But I think it's a great spot for him. Uh, he has 10K, though, on Fando. It's tough to pay pay up that much and try to fit Harden. So you got to have to you have to make a, make a decision somewhere and make a stand. Joined by Chris Rose. You can find him scoutdfs.com. We got Portland at Utah at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Utah has been playing a lot better lately. Uh, Damian Lillard, you know, his price came down. He wasn't playing well. He's been better the last couple games. Uh, his FanDuel salary is 9000 DK is $8,300. Uh, thoughts on Lillard for tonight? Yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pay nine K, I'm gonna go up a little bit and pay for Kyrie. Uh, I think Willard only went for thirty four last against uh, thirty four fantasy points last game against Utah. So um, they've been relatively tough um, against backcourt guys. So I'm not really on Dame tonight. Um, I think you can make a case for Rudy Gobert with how good he's been over the past four games. Uh, on the other side of that, he did put up uh, fifty five. Fantasy points against Portland about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So you can make a case for him tonight. Yeah, Gobert's been crushing it. I've been using him a lot. He's just on a roll right now. Uh, how about Donovan Mitchell? Uh, we know, obviously, he's seen a huge usage rate with the injuries they have at point guards. Although, I guess there is a chance Ricky Rubio might play tonight. So, obviously, if he does play, I, I don't think he'll use Mitchell. But if Rubio's still out, uh, would you be interested in Mitchell? Yeah, I usually like to take shooting guards, or, you know, the two guards against Portland with the C.J. McCollum defense. Uh, I do like him in this spot. He's priced down a little bit. He only put up 19 fantasy points last game, but I think he was, what was he, 9K like a week ago, not even, maybe five days ago. So he's priced down. Uh, it's an okay spot for him. Uh, I think this game's going to be kind of high scoring, so uh, I'm just fine with, with uh, Donovan Mitchell. Would you go back to Royce O'Neal if Rubio remains out? He's obviously had some productive games. His salary is 4600 on DK and 5300 on FanDuel. Yeah, he's not priced up much uh, on FanDuel. He had a great game last game. Um, yeah, I do like Royce O'Neal. I think you said 5300 put up 39 fantasy points last game. He's playing a lot of minutes, so if he can keep the production, he can get you 35, uh, you know, 40, 38 fantasy points a game. And the final game of the night, Warriors and Lakers at 10.30. The over-under on this one's 232.5. Golden State favored by 12. Can we use DeMarcus Cousins, man? He was impressive in his first game. He did fall out, but he was hitting threes, and he looked good. Uh, so will you play DeMarcus Cousins tonight? Yeah, he's, what is he, 5,100 on Panda? What is his price on, on DK? Still pretty, I, pretty low priced. Yeah, I think he's still below six. Yeah, that's for. Here's the issue, though. They don't have Lonzo Ball. 
They're going to get blown out. We already know the Lakers are going to get blown out. I think 12 is is generous for the Lakers. Um, but you can play Cousins if he gets if he plays 18 minutes. He can get you 30, 35 fantasy points. Because um, you know McGee or Tyson Chandler is not going to stop him inside. What's, what's funny is that him spotting up and trying to be the third splash brother, spotting up for three. He looked good shooting the three, so it's going to be tough to stop him. I do like the spot. Still really cheap. Uh, good spot for him, and, and I'm just fine playing him, playing him tonight. Who benefits the most, at least for tonight, with Lonzo Ball out? Josh Hart. Josh Hart's one of my three must-haves as well. Uh, he's been relatively okay. He, he's a little bit inconsistent. He has put up a 50-point game. He has put up a 42-point game. Um, but he should be able to take advantage of the usage. I would think that Ingram would, would play more so the, the, um, the, the point forward, and Hart would do a little bit of ball handling as well. So I do like the spot for Josh Hart. Um, you can see him taking 15 to 20 shots tonight, especially in a blowout. All right, that is Chris Rose. You can find him at scoutdfs.com. Chris, thanks a lot for the time. Good luck tonight. Thank you very much, brother. Have a good day. You too, man. Again, you can check out the work of Chris Rose, scoutdfs.com. He has his article up looking at the fast break NBA DFS plays for today. And we have the optimizer and the Slack chat to help you win that money. When we return, break down the Patriots game. That is ahead right here at Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. The morning after. What a shock that a referee named Cletus is an idiot. <laughs> Cletus. No offense to any Cletus is tuning in right now. We don't Our have boy Cleet. All the Cletuses are dead. Our boy Cleet. The same Cleet Blakeman that celebrated a touchdown with the Patriots once. Oh, Lord. He celebrated. I, I swear to God. Is he getting a Super Bowl ring, too? Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs.
It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here in our new time slot, weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Of course, if you can't listen live, you can always check it out on demand. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as we get you set for fantasy baseball. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. He's covered the AL East, going to the AL Central, and he'll have all the teams up in no time. And I'm taking a look at some of the free agents and where they landed and what it means for their fantasy value for the upcoming season. Michael Brantley outlook is up today. Andrew McCutcheon, Yasiel Puig, get a lot more. So check it out on ScoutFantasySports.com and ScoutDFS.com for your DFS needs, including optimizers and Slack chats. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all the new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all-new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three-ball betting tools, PGA pro tip, subscriber chat, and more. Go to DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, choose Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. We'll have a lot more football to talk with Bill Enright coming up at the top of the hour, 3 p.m. Eastern. He's from FFChamps.com. He'll join me then. Uh, we'll keep you posted on any NBA news that comes across, and we do have a uh, the Lakers starting lineup, although they are only giving us four for right now. They're going to start Brandon Ingram, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and Tyson Chandler. They have not named their fifth starter. It could be Josh Hart. And even if Josh Hart doesn't start, he should play significant minutes off the bench as it looks like Brandon Ingram is going to play point guard. And uh, it can be frustrating, though, watching Brandon Ingram play at times as it seems like he just – Charges to the basket and doesn't look to get his teammates involved enough. But uh, the key there when you're making your lineups tonight, can the Lakers keep this game competitive against Golden State, who is uh, on a roll right now and uh, don't play as well on the road, but against the Lakers here uh, in a primetime spot, uh, they should handle their business tonight. Let's take a look at the other game from yesterday, the AFC Championship, and a lot to digest here. First of all, uh, I'll, I'm not a Patriots hater, but I did not want to see them win. I, I don't want to see them in the Super Bowl. I would have liked to seen a new team, fresh faces, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But I got to say this, no matter how much you despise the Patriots, you got to give them credit for what they've done. I mean, it is an amazing run that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have put forth. I mean, this is the ninth Super Bowl in 18 years. This is a sport where it's not designed to be like that. You're not supposed to have these runs. It's so difficult. Teams change constantly, but the one constant is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and uh, they advance with an overtime win, beating the Chiefs 37-31. Just an unbelievable performance by the Patriots, who uh, you could see the difference in in, in the coaching there. And not that Andy Reid did a terrible job, but they got off to such a slow start. I mean, they were shut out in the first half. I mean, how did the Chiefs at home going to halftime with no points. Uh, and it could have been worse. Brady threw that interception in the red zone uh, at the when the Patriots had the ball at the two and they were running so well. And uh, Brady threw the interception, or it could have been worse. But it's just a ridiculous run, what they are doing. And, 
you know, we're in the moment now, but when we look back on this in a few years, when they are finally gone, whenever that is, uh, you're just going to sit there and say, wow, how did this team do this? There are so many fans of teams that are waiting for their team, not even to win a Super Bowl, to get to a Super Bowl. Jets fans, I'm talking to you. Even me as a Cowboys fan, you could say, well, at least you've seen your team win in the 90s, but the Cowboys haven't even been to an NFC Championship game in 20-plus years. It's really difficult to get there, and it just goes to show the remarkable job that the Patriots have done uh, with their ninth Super Bowl at 18 years. It's, it really is amazing whether they get calls or whatever you want to say. They still persevere and get through it. Brady now 3-0 and in overtime playoff games. And, you know, really the story here was that the, the Patriots just, they made the Chiefs run out of gas, especially in overtime, because they were running so many plays. Uh, 94 plays for the Patriots, 47 for the Chiefs. Just unbelievable. I mean, I think the Chiefs had 17, 18 plays in the first half. I mean, they barely had the ball. So a couple things that stood out to me. We had the non-pass interference call in the Saints game. I thought one of the biggest plays here was D Ford. You know, here's the thing. When you're going up against New England, you can't make mistakes. You have to limit them. There's going to be mistakes, but you can't make mental mistakes. And D Ford lining up in the neutral zone on third and five was an absolute crusher because on that play, Tom Brady was intercepted. And if that play stood, the game is over and the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl instead of the Patriots. But D Ford gave them life. It's a first down. And you knew that the Patriots were going to take advantage of it. And I've had some people say, well, look at it. He wasn't lined up in the neutral zone. How can you call it there? There was never a great angle. There was one I saw where it did look like it was in the neutral zone. It's simple. Look at where you are. It's one thing for a physical mistake. That can happen. But there's no excuse for a mental mistake like that in that spot. I mean, you cost your team the game. And we keep harping back on these one plays. And it ultimately wasn't that one play. It's a cumulative effect, but that one was a dagger because you gave the Patriots life, and you know this. If you go against any top-notch team, you cannot give them life. And uh, there was the – if you remember when the Cowboys played the Saints, the Cowboys had a dominant first half. And I think they were only up – I think it was 10-0 or 13-0. And I'm sitting there. I said, man, Cowboys messed up. They should be up bigger. They had a chance to put their foot on the throats of the Saints. They didn't. It's going to come back to bite them, and the Saints are going to win in the second half. And I put money money on the money line in the second half for the Saints in that game. Now, um, I'm okay to lose it being a Cowboys fan. I mean, obviously, I, I think I'd rather have the money most of the time. That's an argument that, and debate that we've had before. I uh, want to see my team win, but at the same time, you know, want money in my pocket. But either way, uh, I just sensed in that game, I was like, they should have put them away. Now, they were fortunate that the defense played at another high level in the second half, and they were able to finish them. But this is the Patriots, and you cannot make these mistakes. You just can't, especially in that critical spot. You can't give Brady opportunity after opportunity. And in overtime, you could see the Chiefs were gassed. That defense was on the field the entire game. They had no answers, and... How many third downs, third and 10 especially, did Brady convert? I mean, it was unbelievable, whether it was Julian Edelman or Gronkowski. It was just surgical out there. And you just never got the feeling in that overtime 
as we've seen in the past in the playoffs, you're like, well, Brady gets the ball in overtime first. Yeah, that's it. And that's exactly what happened as he just marched down the field against the Chiefs. And, you know, the Chiefs, we knew that was the Achilles heel for this team. We knew that the Chiefs' defense was going to be a problem. You figured that the Patriots would have success running the ball. And it was really the volume. It's not like the the Chiefs were awful against the run. They only allowed 3.7 yards per carry. Sony Michelle was at 3.9. Burkett, 3.4. James White, 3.8. But the volume, they just kept gashing them. So they did enough to gain enough yards to keep that Chiefs defense on the field. Sony Michelle had 29 carries in this game. And what a playoff run he has had. Uh, we'll see what that does for his draft price next year. We'll, we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, and Rex Burkett got 12 carries. So if you were able to use him in DFS, if you said, you know what, I'm going to go real contrarian here, that worked out because he had the two touchdowns. But it was just a volume that they had. I mean, 48 runs and 46 pass attempts. I mean, it was just insane how much the Patriots had the ball. I mean, the Chiefs barely had it. And the other factor, Tom Brady did not get sacked. And I've always said it, the way to beat the Patriots in the playoffs, you got to put pressure on Brady, preferably with four rushing the passer so you don't have to blitz. And that is a big reason why the New York Giants were able to beat them twice. It, you know, I've always said this, like Eli Manning made a couple plays in that, but it was really the ability of the Giants' defense to get pressure to Brady. And that's really what hurt him. But Brady was sitting back there with all day to throw. And if you do that, he's going to find the open man eventually. And that's exactly what happened for most of the game, and specifically in overtime. Because statistically, he didn't have a big game. He only had one passing touchdown, and he threw the two picks, but had 348. But uh, we also saw Rob Gronkowski finally get involved. Uh, he had that big catch along the sideline on that third down to set up that game-winning touchdown. So he showed some life here at 11 targets, six catches, 79 yards. Now he's got two weeks to rest. For the Super Bowl, and what potentially could be his last game. I've been saying it. I, I think Gronkowski retires, especially if the Patriots win the Super Bowl. I think that's certainly a possibility. But Julian Edelman with some big catches and uh, just uh, an unbelievable performance. And, you know, think about this, too, with the Chiefs. So they were shut out in the first half. Now, they did score 31 in the second half and 24 in the fourth quarter. But they didn't run the ball well. Again, they didn't have the ball. Damian Williams had 10 carries for 30 yards and a rushing touchdown. Now, he did play a big part in the passing game with five for 66 and two touchdowns on eight targets. But Tyreek Hill in an overtime game where the Chiefs put up 31 points, he had one catch for 42 yards and three targets. We saw Tyreek Hill burn the Patriots in the first matchup, so they took him out. They limited Travis Kelsey to three for 23 and a touchdown on five targets. So they took away, basically, they essentially took away three aspects of the Chiefs' offense, and the Chiefs still put up 31 because their ability to make big plays. I mean, Sammy Watkins played a big part in this one for, for, for 114, certainly someone that you could have looked to in DFS, but to take away Tyreek Hill, limit Travis Kelsey, and really shut out the running game was pretty impressive. But I think the big part of it is the Chiefs didn't have the ball. They were in at 47 plays. They just did not have the ball. New England, uh, that first drive was about eight minutes. And, you know, that's what they do. And, and that's what's amazing about the Patriots as well because they don't have a vertical passing game. There's really no one 
that you worry about beating your deep. So you know what the Patriots are doing. They're going to run the football. They're going to throw short passes to James White, Julian Edelman. And yet, the team can't be stopped. And I think, again, probably the matchups played a part. Chiefs defense just has not been good this year. And you know the Chiefs are pretty much going to draft all defensive players, sign free agents on the defensive side because the offense isn't really good. They've been, you know, Mahomes, just a, a great year for him. And you like the way he bounced back. You know, he did what he had to do. He put his team in position to win the game. And unfortunately for him, in overtime, Patriots win the coin toss and march right down the field. And obviously that's been a topic as well, the whole overtime setup and structure. Uh, but, you know, defense has got to make a stop at some point. And they had numerous opportunities, third and long, left and right. And they just could not make the stop uh, because they were gassed. And I don't know why Andy Reid didn't take a timeout in overtime. You could clearly see. And it, and it probably wouldn't have mattered. It, it wouldn't have mattered. They probably wouldn't have stopped them anyway. But you got to do something to give your team an opportunity to regain their breath, man, because they were just on the field the entire game, and it's not easy. It becomes a, not only a physical thing, but a mental thing too, especially when you have Tom Brady on the other side and you can't get to him. So uh, the other big call in this game was the Julian Edelman muff punt, and that was crazy because they called it on the field that it hit him. Now, if you look at the replay, I don't know if it was conclusive. I'm surprised they overturned it. Uh, I thought it didn't hit him. Then there was another angle where it looked like it might have grazed his thumb. But Edelman didn't react like it hit him. So either it really didn't or he did a great acting job. But this is just the Patriots' fortune. That that ball, I'm telling you, if that was any other team, that ball would have touched the punt returner clearly. It's the Patriots, so it misses him. Or it misses him enough that they can overturn it on the replay. I'm a little bit surprised because, again, it's got to be conclusive evidence. Maybe I missed it. Uh, I don't know if that was conclusive. I think you stick with what's called on the field. Um, but it wasn't clear-cut that it hit his thumb, and I think you'll get a different viewpoint depending on sometimes which team you root for. But the bottom line is it was a very fortunate play where they were able to get the ball back. And again, any other team, that ball's hitting the punt returner, and it's going to the team. But that's part of being good and successful is you need those breaks along the way. They also got the roughing the passer call on Chris Jones. That was so bad. And I think it's not only Tom Brady. This happens to a lot of quarterbacks. They're obviously trying to protect the quarterback now. But, man, that roughing the passer call was so bad. I mean, it wasn't even close, and uh, that extended a drive as well. But Patriots did what they needed to do, and they came through in the big spots. We're accustomed to seeing it. I know the Patriots haters are sick of it. I'm not really a hater. I respect what they did. I just wanted to see a different Super Bowl. I don't want to hear talk of Tom Brady for two more weeks. And, again, you got to respect what he has done and – be fortunate that you get to watch this, but I would have liked to seen the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Chiefs-Rams rematch would have been nice if you remember those two teams squared off on that Monday night memorable game, 54-51. Uh, that, that would have been nice. We would have had a, a new Super Bowl winner, someone that we haven't seen in a while. Obviously, yes, the Rams won with Kurt Warner. Chiefs, we haven't seen in a long time, so it would have been fun to get that matchup, but uh, once again, we'll have the Patriots here and uh, you know, there was also missed opportunities for the Chiefs. 
Patrick Mahomes had a couple of opportunities to hit Damian Williams. He had him wide open uh, and missed both times, and that could have changed things. But got to feel bad for the Chiefs and Andy Reid. They had such a great year, and they had to run up against the Patriots, who just find ways to win. And, you know, they get the game at home where we've seen the Patriots not as good in the playoffs on the road. And they just were not able to survive this one. Definitely a heartbreaking loss for the Chiefs who, who did what they could. You know, this team easily could have quit, uh, given up, and the Patriots could have had a bigger lead. But Chiefs kept coming back, and uh, they get that field goal by Bucker late in regulation to tie it. Uh, and unfortunately, they didn't have enough in overtime. And also people were saying they could have ran another play with 11 seconds left, but I don't think you should have because if you get sacked, the game's over. If there's a holding penalty, the game's over. And I was a little surprised too, Mahomes, you know, going into the end zone on the previous play. If you get picked off there, you know the amount of criticism you would have had. But at the same point, you know you're depending on a coin flip in overtime. And I think we all knew if the Chiefs lost that coin toss, they weren't going to win the game. That's the way I felt. Even though with the third and longs, you were kind of hoping that they would get a stop, but that defense was not that good this year. They were gassed, and Tom Brady was making play after play as he usually does. So, unbelievable performance by the Patriots once again. And now, two weeks of playoff talk. When we return, we'll talk more football. Bill Enright, FFChamps.com. He'll join me here on Scout Fantasy Sports. <laughs> 